Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Back the Blue, sponsored by Chris Dental Family Dentistry. That was Chris Dental right there. That was Michael at the end, spraying, showing you what they do for COVID protection. They have these little machines that come up against your face like that, so it gets all the aerosols, so it protects the hygienist and you at the same time. And then they spray down everything so that everything is clean in there because you do not want to let your dental care slide because of COVID because uh, that's a really bad idea. A lot of bad things can happen after that. So Michael's like really outspoken about um, his support of police officers, especially here in Eugene and Springfield and Lane County, uh, because this is where we live. Um, but he actually does commercials. He's kind of one of the first people I've heard who's come out on the radio with his commercials and saying, you know, we back the blue and we know you do too. Um, and in this kind of cancel culture error, some era sometimes uh, that's not easy for business people to do, but he's really committed to doing that. And one of the things he wants me to do as somebody who works with him is to find stories about police officers that we can talk about and uh, show some of the good things that are going on. But tonight we got something a little special because a, a friend of mine is a mutual friend of hers and I have known former lieutenant. You're a former lieutenant now, aren't you? Or, or, or like president, are you always a lieutenant? I don't know. I don't know. Usually you just say Lieutenant retired. So Lieutenant retired Jennifer Bills. And we go back to like 1990 earlier. Yeah, I still think it was the 80s, Rick. You were because you were a student. You were like student leadership at the, the University of Oregon, weren't you? Yeah, I was a student body president. Yeah. Okay. And I interviewed you and you were like this little punk kid. <laughs> and then you became a police officer, which I did not surprise me in the least. And you spent 25 years um, working with people in this community. And uh, I think you had, I'm going to say it because you probably wouldn't, but you had a great reputation. I think you're a real a bridge builder. And I think that's what I want to try to do tonight with you is like we can build a bridge between what's going on. Cause when you sit and watch what happens with the riots in Portland and all this, talk to people about what that's like for police officers and or former police officers. Right. Well, I, um, I retired uh, in November of 2019 and then very shortly thereafter, everything started happening. Um, and I got to have an almost row seat, um, my kid is an officer in a major metropolitan town, and so he was on the front lines of a lot of these demonstrations and riots, um, and I got to hear his stories, and of course, as a parent, oh, I just cringed. I, there were a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of 3 a.m. text messages that would say, I'm okay, I'm heading home, um, and I would watch this, and uh, and then watching what was happening here in Eugene and thinking about my colleagues that I had just left. Uh, who are now faced with a level of violence that I don't think anyone expected and none of us had seen since probably the late 99s, early 2000s. So when you're standing there and you're thinking about what's being said about officers um, by the, the public and what's coming out, what, do you, what, what, do you, what thoughts go through your head, Jen? Well, I, you know, I think that Law enforcement has this great responsibility of having to protect people, and they protect people that like them and people that don't like them. They don't really have a choice in that matter. And that's really the calling that we have is to do some good. And so to be put in a position where you've got your own population who is with broad strokes saying that everyone who wears the badge is a villain 
it's hard. It's demoralizing. Um, it's you feel conflicted. Uh, I know I the thoughts that went through my head is one, it's complicated because it is very complicated. Um, you know, I think I'll, I'll be the first one to say law enforcement does have a history um, of racism. Uh, it, the criminal justice system has been unequal and is it the responsibility of the young officer who just got hired to be addressing this? No, but it is the responsibility of law enforcement leadership to be addressing it. Um, and, you know, everything, Seattle's a great example. Uh, everything that happened there is a, is, is a shame. I mean, the town's decimated. Um, an African-American chief who's really transformational got booted. She left. Um, I mean, what does that say about that community? And then you look at this community, we've got, I think, really great police leaders. Um, and I think we're doing a little bit better here in Eugene, but there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen to make it okay. What would what would have to happen? Like, give me just, uh, an example of what needs, I, I mean, we, I just had a couple of uh, folks on, two black gentlemen on like a couple, a week and a half ago. I got two folks coming on tomorrow too, because we're trying to do black history. And I just want to have the conversation with white people and black people and, and, and get that out there. And they all said that they do get, um, you know, they get pulled over more than other people. Right. And, you know, and I think that law enforcement has, you know, for years done a lot of work to look at micro biases and look at how we police and, and, and find ways to police better. But, what happens is something, let's say, on the East Coast occurs and every officer on the West Coast is now underneath that spotlight. Right. I think what needs to happen is, one, at some point, law enforcement as a whole needs to say, yes, we've screwed up, we've been imperfect, and let's work together to become more perfect. And, uh, and at the same time, others need to say, hey, we understand that police officers are um, public servants. They come with open hearts. Let's try to really encourage those who have that sort of warrior spirit, but servant mentality, servant heart. That's who we want being police officers. You know, I think um, one thing that has really sort of rankled me is that if you want good, smart cops, you have to pay for good, smart cops. Um, so defunding really. Right. When you say defund the police, it's like, plus, I, I think what, what didn't get really, I did. I don't think it did a lot for the movement was when all of a sudden you're thinking, well, but what are you gonna do when somebody comes to your door and there's no funding for the police officer? At, at some point you have to put this reality check on going, it's not about funding police, it's about finding good police. It's about finding good police. It's about um, finding other ways to do things that police shouldn't be doing. I think that we've had so many changes with government and government funding that police officers are mental health specialists. They are suddenly, you know, uh, they're doing all these different jobs. They're having to parent other people's kids from time to time. Um, and I think that there's a benefit at some point to saying, okay, let's let specialists take these low level stuff and let's let the, the cops do these other pieces. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a very complicated way of looking at the world. Do you sometimes like I, I have other friends in the police department and I said to one one day, I said, do you feel like you're like a marriage counselor, a social worker? I mean, how much of the work you're really doing is kind of the police type work you thought you were going to be doing. And instead, you end up counseling people. You know, what I mean, you're, it's, it's not really I know you're trained. 
but that's not really your specialty. You didn't get into policing to be a mental health counselor or a a a, uh, a marriage counselor. That you know what I mean? Right. Well, you know, cops they they go in, and you have to have. I think the 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 best cops are the ones with really high emotional uh, IQs, the ones that can connect with other individuals. Um, so you have to be able to talk to people to make that connection. And, you know, you, in some ways are a counselor when you do a death notification or when you have to have a hard conversation, um, with a victim of a crime, but so much these days officers are, are sucked into doing, you know, camping. Uh, the, my favorite story is, um, I had someone who was well known in the community who turned out, you know, very, very left to the spectrum, very uh, anti-police, but very happy to call the police about the person who was in their car sleeping in front of her house. And I always found that ironic. Um, so, you know, I, and law enforcement is stuck doing those things. So Dave Villanueva says conversation about black people without black people present in Oregon. Hmm. Well, Dave, actually, this was a conversation about police and what's going on. We did have a conversation with black people about black people and white people that you were attending on my show a few weeks back. And if you'd like to, tomorrow we'll be discussing the same thing with two gentlemen who are both black who are coming on. That was already planned to do. Um, this was a back the blue story about police officers. So I understand your frustration, but uh, you know that we are covering all sides of this issue. And this is just a chance for us to talk with a police officer, a former police officer about that. Right. I, you know, and, and Dave, you bring up a, a point and I'll just say that in talking to officers who are uh, black people of color, um, the stuff that we've seen in terms of the last you know, several months of activity, they get it from both sides. They get called names that are absolutely horrible from people that normally would be in support. Um, and then of course, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Antifa or, um, or the Proud Boys, they're, they're, they're cutting it and it's hard. It's a hard job. So what, um, what are other things I think, because you always kind of one of those people who, you, I, I thought you were always a really good moderator. You know, I mean, because you, 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 you know, you're you're a nonconformist in a job that's kind of conforming, <laughs> kind of like I was as a news anchor. <laughs> right. You know, I um, I I loved being a police officer. It was uh, an amazing career. Uh, it's the best show. This is my recruitment pitch out there, Rick. Just bear with me, but it really is a front row seat to the best show on earth. And. Um, and, you know, being a nonconformist sometimes in the police, it's it's hard because, you know, it is um, somewhat more of a conservative profession. And um, I'm not very. And but, but I'll tell you, it's made me made me more moderate uh, for sure. Um, but, you know, there are so many good people who do this sort of work. And it is so hard when um, when there's a perception that the community does does not support you. You know, I, I think of how we were as a law enforcement profession treated after 9-11 and um, after the line of duty death of Officer Kilcullen, how there was appreciation for the work law enforcement did. Um, and certainly I don't want to go back to any event like that to make something next, make, make that next day happen. I don't want that. But I think that, um, for law enforcement, it's important to have that sense of appreciation. It is, it's hard. 
Because you, yeah, um, Allie House, you may you may know her. She's, she's I do. She's kissing up to us a little bit. She's saying hi to two of my favorite people. <laughs> we love Allie is a former sheriff's deputy um, with the uh, Lane County Sheriff's Department, and uh, another person that you know uh, is very uh, open and conversational, and also did she, did she did kind of things like you did. I mean, you were you 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 didn't let. Um, people scare you or, or bother you saw value. I think that's what most, I think a lot of police officers are, are mistaken for not having seen value in people and human beings. Yet I, by doing this back to blue series, I'm seeing more police officers who are taking their own time to do things for homeless youth, uh, people on the streets, giving of their time, giving of their money. That's not required for them on the job. And they're doing that. You know, one of the things that I remember is we had uh, we had an officer who since retired at Eugene PD who was kind of gruff and old school, right? Very old school beat cop kind of style. Um, he once told me that uh, he knew he was old when they started hiring officers that were born after he started and that they were women. Um, kind of a funny comment, but one of the things that I loved about him is um, he would reward people for good behavior. So folks that weren't committing crimes that were his regular uh, uh, local, you know, bad guys, he'd buy them breakfast. And I know cops that on cold nights would go out to 7-Eleven and, or, you know, Circle K back in the day and bring people coffee. And there is, there is the belief that everybody we deal with has a story and they're more than the moment they're in. Um, Cause we see people, we see bad guys at their best, but we see most people at their worst. Yeah. And, and when you're there, um, it is someone's nightmare usually. And it's not right. there. And, and you're there to diffuse it and also make sure no one gets hurt. And, uh, and that is not, an easy role. So you think one of the things that could be done is get police officers back to policing and bring in the folks that can really help with homelessness and mental health counseling and work like that. In terms of though, with, with, with folks of color, um, how do we get rid of that stereotype or work on that more so that we don't have people being pulled over or feeling like, you know, vulnerable uh, because I don't experience that. And I know that my black friends do that. I don't get up in the morning and wonder if I run a stoplight or something like that, am I going to be in, in trouble? I think it's about figuring out ways to build trust. One of the things to think about is it's taken us 200 plus years of law enforcement in this country to get to this moment today. And so the fix isn't going to happen overnight. Um, it's about rebuilding trust. And one of that is about having the open dialogue. Two, it's about having law enforcement that really does represent the community it serves. So more people of color, more women, uh, more Latino, more Spanish speaking, bilingual officers. Um, I mean, those are easy things to say. They're hard to do in recruitment. Um, and if you talk to cops, and I'll, I'll just use my own personal experience. Um, when I pulled cars over, I rarely knew the race of the driver before I got up to the window. Um, and so... I, I hear those stories and then I can say, well, I didn't know most of the time who was there, but the next point is who do you cite and who do you search? And that's where I think we have a lot of opportunity for officers to take a look at their own biases, their own behavior. Um, I know that EPD 
on several occasions has done these sort of uh, analyses to see what they landed. Um, and other agencies do it periodically. I think it's about finding trust, really. So if you were back on the force and, and during this thing with, with Black Lives Matters, kind of some of the things that happened in Portland, what were your thoughts going on when you saw that, when you saw the, the destruction and the things happening in Portland? Obviously a lot of frustration on the part of people, but then you have officers also trying, you know, getting hurt and injured by protesters and rioters. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I'll say that I don't think it was BLM for the most part that was doing it. I think it was the little anti-fascist punks. And to be clear, I think we're all anti-fascist, but we don't dress in black and go break the windows at a building uh, or throw Molotov cocktails at cops. I mean, I don't think most of us are yay fascism. Um, but I think it was just angry youngsters wanting to go against the man, and it was law enforcement who ended up being that man to them. Um, and, you know, it's it's been disheartening, frankly, to watch all of that happen, because there are good, good law enforcement officers at those agencies in Portland and Seattle who day in and day out have had to deal with, you know, urine getting thrown on them, um, pepper spray. Um, you know, I won't even jump into the Capitol and what happened there, but you know, there was a homicide. So, uh, it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. So does there need to also, and when you talk about trust, there's gotta be some trust built back for you guys as well. Um, I think so. I think the, the hard thing about that, Rick, is that we're in a position of power in some ways, because we can take people, we can take your civil liberties away. I mean, we can... The Fourth Amendment, I mean, we can arrest you. Uh, we can seize you. And not everybody can do that. So I think for us, the really the most authentic thing we can do is figure out ways to rebuild trust as well. Um, it's going to take really strong leadership uh, willing to do it. And it's going to take everybody willing to come to the table. And everybody gets a, you know, an equal seat at the table. Does it, does it also take coming to the table on both sides without leaving some of the, what do I, the, the only word I can search for and I think might get me in trouble, but I'm just going to say it because the only one they have is blame. Um, it's, at some point, you have to get to a point where we can go, okay, this is your experience. This is the experience here. How do we get, how do we get to another place here so we don't keep going back to the same story? I mean, I've been covering this for you know, I worked in news for almost 30 years and it, it's it, nothing has this, the story keeps getting worse rather than getting much better. Yeah, um, I think maybe rather than blame, it would be responsibility. And how do you how does each side take responsibility for the pieces that contribute to the to the narrative? Um, and that's hard because you have to kind of be vulnerable. And I'll tell you, cops don't like being vulnerable. Um, we are made of, you know, Kevlar and, you know, we've got our shields up and, um, oh, that squishiest heart and the land, Kevlar. The only thing you had Kevlar was your, the covering that you wore, you had to put on the rest of you. Your heart is so huge. You couldn't, you don't even know what Kevlar is. <laughs> all right, all right. You got me. But, but, I, but it's hard. I mean, I think that, that no one wants to be vulnerable. No, you know, you think about the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions they had in South Africa. And I keep getting back to when you really want to talk about the pain that people went through with incarcerations and whatnot. I mean, that took some heavy lifting and it took people from outside 
who come in um, and and sort of build those bridges. And then Donald saying, and how is it reported and presented to the public? You know. Well, Donald, this is this is no offense to Rick and his career in in uh, the news. I, I blast him like crazy. You can you, you can say whatever you want. But uh, you know, the truth lies in the middle. It always does. I mean, the thing is, you're going to have one side saying one thing, another side saying another thing. If you only watch one channel, you're not going to get the other side of the story. Um, I think what it takes is that that personal experience getting shared. And like I said, it's about changing the narrative. Um, and I think it takes the one-on-one, -on -one, the two-on-one, the open discussions, things like this, um, to really start building those bridges. But it's really scary because, I mean, I was so petrified a few weeks ago to have um, this conversation with two you know, black gentlemen and myself um, publicly like this. And we didn't rehearse or anything like that. We just went, because it's called Get Real, so we just went on. And I was so nervous about it because... You know, you can be canceled so quickly in our culture today and, you know, and, and say the wrong thing. So it's really hard to have those conversations because there's so many language things. And, and it used to be a, I felt like there was a little more tolerance amongst all of us in terms of you make a mistake. <clears throat> let me let me fix that. Let me help. I'll, I'll give you an example. Years and years ago, <clears throat> this story and it was. Um, and I said in the story, um, it used to be gay meant um, happy. Now it's a lifestyle. Well, I didn't think anything of that. And then members of the gay community called me and said, you're saying that we're choosing this because you said lifestyle. And I said, I need to have a meeting with you to find out what I did wrong. Because I have to understand it. So I had this whole group of women and um, they're all lesbians and they sat down with me at the University of Oregon and explained to me what that meant. And I never used it again because I understood it. But they had the grace to have a meeting with me and talk about that, not slam me all over the media and do stuff like that. And I feel like we've kind of lost some of that ability. And that's an off subject. I mean, a different subject than what we're talking about, but it's the same kind of thing. It's like, it's uncharted territory and we have got to as a community stop throwing comments on here and yelling and going oh you know and that's why dave i kind of got off on you a little bit there it's like get, i'm trying to start a conversation and i understand your concern but i am learning at the same time as everybody else so that might be a better personal message rather than throwing that out like that that's the kind of thing we need to do is be having these kind of conversations at least opening the doors and that's why I think my client is doing Back the Blues, Chris Daniel uh, Dentistry is doing Back the Blues, is just to get these stories out there and talk about stuff like that. Yeah, I think we've really lost the art of, um, of having uh, a disagreement and dispute uh, and the ability to listen to a, someone's opposing view and not take it personally and not demonize someone who doesn't think like you. Right. And, and that it just makes me sad that we don't give each other enough grace. And it applies directly to what's happening with law enforcement. I mean, I, I know a number of law enforcement officers. I know who they are when they're not wearing their badge. And these are people that you would absolutely want to spend time with, that you would trust anybody with. Um, but, you know, because of what they wear and the perception that the public has of law enforcement right now, they're demonized. Right. And I think some, a lot of times it's the same, you know, it's like, if, if, 
you know, it's, it's an old line, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. If you don't want to be demonized, don't demonize other people. And instead, find that common place and come together so that that conversation can begin. So you guys can start to hear as police officers who are probably in this community, mostly white, can understand better what folks in the communities of color in our community feel and experience and then maybe do ride-alongs like that to see how that feels to understand i always thought it was just bizarre um in my life it's like i i never could understand what my black friends would feel until i hung out with them and i never understood what people with discernibilities like disabilities could feel until you get around them a lot and you stand back and you watch how people stare and do things to them you know, it's easy to go to the school and have the counselor say, oh, everybody loves her. They're treated really well. And I stand back with a camera and shoot video and go back and show them and say, uh-uh, you didn't see this. Look at what happened, really. You know what I mean? And if we start having those kind of relationships with people and, and understandings, not burning down buildings and screaming at people, and how are we ever going to learn? Yeah, and and I gotta say the 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 burning and the trashing of buildings and breaking of windows, um, you know, that shuts conversation pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. But you know what opened up conversation for something like that? I thought was Isaiah Wagner. Um, he's now a friend of mine. Uh, you know, black man goes out there and he's screaming at a, a lot of white people, going, "Quit doing this! You're ru you're ruining everything." You know, what I mean, that we don't. This isn't what we're trying to do. We're trying to have right. a protest and you're turning it into a riot. And I think that's what we as the white community need to look at who's actually doing this and stop blaming the wrong people. Right, and it really, in, in some communities, there were comments about how that looting and rioting was really sort of muting the mission of BLM, for example. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it's saddening because then that doesn't get forwarded in terms of trying to look at the big picture of law enforcement and criminal justice system. And all we're looking at are, you know, what what happened in uh, in Portland, Seattle, for months right. and months on end. So your son is a police officer. He is. As his mom, what would you do? What would your best advice be to him in relation to this topic right here? You know, we've actually talked a lot about this topic, um, and. So the first piece of advice I have is, you know, keep your head on a swivel and watch your six because I'm also a cop. So I want my kid to be safe. Um, and then the next piece is that, you know, you really have to follow your true north and that you have to stay to your ethics and stay to your values when you're doing policing, uh, because there's going to be a lot of opposing forces that may pull you in different directions. Um, and, the, and I have told him this many times that everybody you deal with has a story. So if you're out there and you're dealing with a person that you that is trespassing, um, they're more than the fact they don't have shoes and they're wet and they're smelly and they might be mentally ill. They could have a history and a family. Everybody has a story. Um, and specific to this, you know, my son was on the front lines of a lot of this activity and um, and it was hard. I mean, knowing every day that you were going to go into work and possibly get physically injured, um, more so than what police officers think about now anyway, uh, was hard. And knowing that your community wasn't going to back you was hard, too. So. So um, what was your since you're now retired um, 
and, and, and younger than me. I don't like that. Um, what what would you say to, um, this is the last thing I'll bug you about, but what would you say your advice would be to a, a new cadet or a police officer coming on the force in Eugene, Springfield, or Lane County? Um, first, when it comes to Eugene, Springfield, Lane County, uh, have, I mean, I'm biased. I think that we have great police agencies in our local area. Um, I think we've got really phenomenal, you know, chiefs and sheriff. Uh, I think the world of them and the work they're doing. Um, I would say pretty much the same thing. And to remember that, you know, you are protecting people. You're protecting your neighbors is what you're doing. You're protecting people that are part of your community. And that is a gift and a responsibility that you have to take seriously. Keep your nose clean, stay out of trouble, and know that everything you do is going to be looked at and scrutinized because of the job you do and be okay with that. Right. I mean, I totally understand. I think that's why I always got along with um, the, the police departments. I covered you guys. So I got along that way, but it's also, I was in the same boat. It was like, I felt like back in the day, that was what a news anchor, that's what my news job was. I'm here to tell the community what's going on so they can go do, take care of it. It's not my job to take care of it. It's my job to relay that information, but you live under the public eye and the people that don't have never lived under the public eye, they do not know what that feels like at all. And I always related to you guys because you had to put on a suit and so did I. And it, it, yeah, and I, I just remember going to um, a local uh, local cafe here and being off duty and with my family and someone coming up to me wanting to talk about law enforcement and what they'd seen in the news. And I had no idea who this person was. And all I wanted was to get my cup of coffee and, you know, veg out for the day. And people pay attention to know who you are. So, you know, I can't be rude. And I, I couldn't tell them, hey, leave me be. Um, I was polite. But, you know, the advantage to being retired now is I can say, eh. <laughs> yeah. yeah i still can't sometimes i can a little more i used to remember people would walk up and say okay i don't want to take time away from you and your family and stuff but and you go, okay wait here we go and then it was a, a long conversation where you know what i mean it was like but but they mean well you know and it's not and and you do that's like you said that's part of the responsibility you take on as a person that's in the community that way yeah you want to be an ambassador for your profession and for your agency um, and you know, when we work football games, we really want people to be friendly and, and engaged with the community because it's a great time for us to just sort of highlight the good stuff and interact with people and it's not a crisis. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty important. Um, one last thing, Eric Johnson, he's a guy on here all the time. I think that missed the point that people of color have to teach their children how to behave in law enforcement situations because they never know who's going to be behind the badge. Statistically speaking, people of color are far more in danger due to bias. That creates catch-22. Um, so I'm curious about the stats, but that's because I'm a nerd. So I'm always wondering where those things come from. But um, I will say that one of the hard parts is, you know, African American young men uh, do get a disproportionate attention from law enforcement. Um, and, and it breaks my heart that a parent would have to teach their kid to be wary of the cops. And I think that's where we need to do most of our work is sort of starting to change that. And it is that rebuild of trust piece that we have to do. And make it so that they don't have anything to fear when they come out because people are understanding. The, the white police force is understanding what's going on in the community of color. 
Right. Or, you know, and or at least has enough understanding of themselves and what they need to be doing. So, yeah, there's um, you know, it is it it is about sort of rebuilding all of that. When I called when I when I called Jen to do this conversation, I said, you know, I want to talk to you about you know this, this and this. And she goes, OK, but I want to talk about this. there's a lot of room for improvement here. And I want to make sure we're talking about that. And you guys, we weren't here to try to change the world today. We're just starting a conversation. So. I like that you're asking these questions and we need to continue this conversation conversation without confrontation and be able to ask the hard questions. And, and, and as Dave had brought up earlier, um, this needs to happen in the, uh, in the black community and the Hispanic community, the Latino community, uh, the LBG community. Uh, I mean, all the different outlying areas, it, it, it all needs to be addressed. And um, that's how it starts, I think. Yeah. Jen, thank you. Thank you, Rick. It was nice seeing you again. It was super good talking to you. I really appreciate you doing this for me. And um, we'll, we'll catch up. You know, you, you, you're you going on to new and different things and you can always call me because I'll cover you. Well, and I really appreciate the fact you are having these discussions. That's so important and so critical for everything right now is to have a forum to at least talk about this and get understanding. All right, Jen. See you later. All right. Bye-bye. The family a hug. All right. So that's a uh, former police, Eugene police lieutenant, uh, Jennifer Billings or Bills, excuse me. And, um, and uh, I appreciate her coming on and talking to us about that. Um, also appreciate your comments. And uh, Dave, I understand that tomorrow night we will have two uh, gentlemen. I know one of them, both of them are from the black community, but I was out talking to him out in front of my building one day. We were having an intense, interesting conversation. And I, since I have a show, I said, hey, would you guys want to join me? Because I'm trying to do some some stuff like this where people just get to come out and talk. Um, and I want to be more of the listener and you the talker. So a couple of weeks ago, I had a couple of other gentlemen from the black community on our show. Um, I'm also open to having black women on the show as well, obviously, but uh, they didn't come forward. And we also would love to have this conversation with people in the uh, Asian community because a lot of folks that I know who are Asian or from Asian descent um, are being looked at funny since the COVID thing. And I think we need to talk about that. And I think I would love to have a conversation like this in the Latino community because I think uh, there's a very misunderstood group of people still in our community. And uh, there's a lot of folks from the Latino community in our community. So those are other conversations we can have, but I can't do this by myself. So uh, you guys have to contact me and get in touch with me. So uh, that's it for tonight. I want to thank again our sponsor, Chris Dental Family Dentistry. Um, this is back in the blue. He's really big on making sure that our police officers know that he um, and, and that they are supported um, by people in our community. So that's what we do. So again, tomorrow night, five o'clock. Um, Andre and Damian, uh, Damian Hayes is going to be here. And like I said, um, I don't know them well, but we're going to put them on and you're going to understand things. And so am I. We're going to all learn at the same time. All right. Take this, share it on your page in case somebody else might see it. Um, and we appreciate your time. All right. See you tomorrow night, five o'clock right here. Get real.